0: Hi, this is William Mays, and I'm the new president of CDAM, the Criminal Defense Attorneys of Michigan. I want to first start by thanking everyone who voted for me in this prior election. So far, we're off to a great start. I would also like to thank the various members of the Board of Directors and the committee chairs who've helped me transition into this new position. I can tell you that if it wasn't for the dedication and the hard work of a lot of these people, CDAM would not be the organization that it is in Michigan. One of the things that I wanted to accomplish as president was to improve member communications. We have a newsletter, the Right to Counsel, but I think that we can convey more information through a podcast. We can get more in depth and we can get more detail. We hope that you find these broadcasts valuable, and in the coming months, we plan to cover a variety of different topics that directly affect your practice. If you would like to be on a show or if you'd like to host a show, Give me a call. My number is 734 740 1900. I know that nearly every member of CDAM has some wonderful stuff to share, and we can all learn from one another. Don't be shy. I want you to participate. Get involved. If you're not familiar with podcasting, there's a whole world of free materials available out there. I listen to podcasts all the time in my car, whenever I'm driving from a court to a court, whatever. My iPhone syncs directly to my car radio, for example, and I subscribe to a number of podcasts. There's a number of free podcast audiobooks that are available out there. There's also college courses in chemistry and cooking and anything that you can think of, there's probably a podcast for it. So in other words, if you're not familiar with podcasting, I suggest you get out there, browse through some of these things and see what you're missing out on. In this show, I have a few announcements to make regarding upcoming dates. Uh, We've got committee meetings that are scheduled, and CDAM's summer session in Gaylord is right around the corner. I also have some important announcements about Trial College, uh, which will be held in August. After that, we interview Noah Smith, CDAM's lobbyist in Lansing, who updates us on legislative matters that are pending before the House and Senate. Without further delay, I would like to welcome you to CDAM's first podcast. Welcome to the Criminal Defense Attorneys of Michigan podcast.
1: CDAM is Michigan's leading criminal defense organization, whose mission is to promote expertise in criminal law to educate the bench bar and public of the need for quality and integrity in defense services and representation to promote enlightened thought concerning alternatives to the present criminal justice system and to guard against erosion of the rights and privileges guaranteed by the United States and Michigan
0: constitutions and laws. Okay. First up, let's address some calendar dates. Uh, bring you up to speed on what's been going on so far. Back in uh, early June, June 11th, we had an education meeting, and I'm hoping to bring Jill Price or someone on from the education committee to update everyone, but generally speaking, uh, we started to solidify some of the speakers and uh, talk about some long-range plans. We got through about 90% of the agenda for the education committee at that meeting. Uh, Next up, we had a... uh, rules and law committee meeting approximately a week ago where we covered a, a a number of things and we'll address that more in depth with an upcoming interview later on in this podcast with Noah Smith, our lobbyist uh, for CDAM up in Lansing. Uh, the next uh, committee meeting is membership. Membership will be meeting telephonically on June 9th. Uh, if you'd like to participate in that, we're looking for volunteers. Membership is one of the committees that requires a lot of work. It's, it's reaching out to new potential members on the telephone and talking to people you know to try and get our membership numbers up. And we're always looking for help on that committee. If you'd like to participate in that, give Ramona a call at CDAM by calling her at 517-579-0533. You can also contact Patty Massaroni, our first vice president, or Robin Frankel who are co-chairs of the membership committee. The education committee has another meeting scheduled telephonically for July 16th at 5 p.m. If you'd like to participate in the education committee meeting, you should get a hold of Jill Price, who's chairperson of the education committee. I'm really excited about the upcoming CDAM summer training session at the Otsego Club in Gaylord, Michigan. That's going to start on Friday, July 25th at 10 a.m., with a golf classic and a bocce tournament. Uh, Beth Lacoste has worked uh, extremely hard to uh, make this Gaylord uh, conference a success, and the bocce tournament is going to be uh, handled by Tom Loeb. Uh, The education committee is in charge of the uh, educational opportunities that we're presenting at Gaylord this summer, which will include a medical marijuana update from Beth Lacoste and Tom Loeb, drug driving, and testing issues dealing with uh, forensic toxicology by Mike Nichols, and license restoration and circuit court appeals regarding driver's license by Mike Duggan and Marshall Tauber. If you haven't signed up for the Gaylord session yet, I encourage you to do so quickly because the rooms at the Otsego Club fill up quickly and there's limited space available. After Gaylord, we have to talk about trial college. This year, 2014, might possibly be our last trial college. Trial college is huge for CDAM, but unfortunately we've suffered a lot of grant funding uh, problems. The amount of money that's being collected through MCOs is dr- greatly diminished this year, and this might potentially be the last trial college that CDAM offers, at least for the foreseeable future. Uh, Tom Loeb uh, should be uh, given great kudos for the amount of work that he's put in to making trial college a success this year by getting members to donate uh, to the Spuler Fund, which will help defer the costs of the scholarships for, uh, for some of the students. And by the way, if you intend to take advantage of the scholarship that's available for Trial College, you need to make your application by June 20th. Uh, the registration deadline for Trial College is July 18th, and Trial College itself will be held on August 13th through the 18th. Again, spacing for this event, it, it is limited, and so I encourage you to sign up early so to ensure that you've got a spot if you want to participate in what might what possibly be uh, the last CDAM trial college for the next few years. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and right after the break, we'll be back with this great interview that I had the opportunity to do with Noah Smith the other day. Would you like to advertise your message to over 400 criminal defense lawyers in Michigan? CDAM is a 501c3 organization, and we are seeking sponsors to help defray the cost of this podcast. Please call 517-579-0533 for more information. So today we're joined by Noah Smith of Capital Services. Uh, if, if you don't know Noah, Noah has been CDAM's lobbyist up in Lansing for about the last five years. Uh, he's been just a remarkable powerhouse and just a, a real help for the criminal defense community, uh, helping us get heard with lawmakers, uh, as, as you know, as they pass all these various laws that are affecting, directly affecting our, our practice. Uh Noah can you introduce yourself a little bit more?
1: Yeah, sure. Um happy to be here and uh, again with uh, Capital Services I'm a partner in the firm. I co-own it with uh, the other partner Stephanie Johnson. And uh, Todd Tennis, Stephanie, uh, by the way, in, in capital services is unique in that uh, Stephanie is the only president uh, of a, uh, the, the only woman president of a uh, lobbying firm in Lansing. So I think it puts us in a pretty interesting unique position. Um, that being said, uh, I think like you said, I've been CDAM's lobbyist for about five years now. Uh, prior to that, as with the American Cancer Society, running uh, multiple states worth of uh, legislation, uh, from the time I was there, and I started uh, my legislative career in the Michigan State Senate. Um, prior to that, uh, let's see, I'm a Grand Valley State University grad uh, in uh, public administration with a focus on public policy, uh, and I was in the United States Marine Corps for uh, eight years. I had a great time. Yeah, (laughs) I had a great time uh, in the Marine Corps, but uh, it was time to uh, move on and start my now normal civilian career. Uh, But it always gives me the ability to say when things really get rough in the Capitol, hey, I've been in worse. And it's absolutely true. So, uh, yeah, it's a little bit about me. I've got uh, married to uh, the lovely Jennifer, who is the lobbyist for the Michigan Association of School Boards. And I've got three boys. I've got twin six-year-olds and a nine-year-old.
0: That's great. Now, Noah... Uh, have you met a lot of our CDAM members? Have you been to some of the like spring and fall conference?
1: Absolutely. In fact, I've been to the past couple of conferences and been able to give uh, presentations, uh, of course, to the board, um, and have attended some of the uh, um, some of the post class, you know, general session types of things, where it's more relevant for me to uh, meet and speak to some of the members. Yeah. Um, the rules and law committee uh, also that it, it, it sort of functions as CDAM's uh, legislative committee uh also gives me some pretty good exposure to some members because while we you know we discuss legislation um, we talk a lot about you know what cdam's positions are with a uh, with a small cadre of folks it quite often means that as i'm working on specific pieces of legislation that there is a defense attorney out there um, in cdam who has extensive experience in certain aspects of the law that I might be working on. So though my direct contact is with the Rules and Laws Committee, um, it means that then sometimes the Rules and Law Committee will hook me into a defense attorney who's sort of an issue specialist uh, because of the nature of their practice. Like, for example, Mike Nichols uh, and some of the uh, drugged and drunk driving policies that we've been working on. Uh, though he just became a member of the Rules and Law Committee for a time. He wasn't quite yet, but we were talking quite a bit because, as you know, though John Shea is a wonderful uh, and very experienced attorney, um, he'll defer to uh, other attorneys within CDAM who have experience. And it gives me exposure to other attorneys, but it gives those attorneys some exposure to the public policy process too, which I think is pretty valuable.
0: Right. And actually on that point about drunk driving, it's interesting. And I don't know if this is just because of my own background with drunk driving, but since becoming the new president of CDAM, it's like Mike Nichols and I are working so closely together on so many of these issues. Yeah. Uh, we've got this oral fluids or saliva testing bill that's up right now. Uh, totally wants to change the the way that chemical tests are done here in Michigan. Just crazy stuff. But I don't know if that's because Mike and I are participating uh, at this level with the Rules and Law Committee, or if it's. Uh, Or if it's just if it's the lawmakers, you know, proposing these laws and we're just here coincidentally.
1: I I think it's a little bit of both. I don't know if it's about, I don't know if it's so much coincidental, but it's sort of like with CDAM you have a proactive agenda, things that we want to do and be in control of conceptually, and a reactive agenda. And as you can imagine, given the legislative makeup and the legislature's sort of mindset about we need to take bad behavior that we see on TV that's already illegal and make it more illegaler. Um, we have, you know, CDAM's uh, reactive agenda is also, is quite often a little bit broader than our proactive agenda. Um, you know, prosecutors have a lot of things they want to do. Cops have a lot of things they want to do. Lawmakers have a lot of things that they think makes them grumpy. And so it involves CDAM in, uh, in a lot of fights. CDAM um, has a really high profile at the Capitol. Um, and it's, you know, though I, I appreciate your kind words uh, in the beginning, um, <laughs> it's also, it's, it's rightly so um, that we have a lot of it. Exposure because the criminal justice and judiciary committees are very high visibility committees they have some of the most legislation that goes through those committees. In other words, those two committees uh, combined in the House and as one committee in the Senate have more legislation quite often than many other committees combined will see in an entire two-year session. Um, the, the amount of bills that those committees pump through and then the, the the sheer number of those bills that in some way, shape, or form deal with criminality, um, it, it really puts CDAM at the forefront for having to argue for or against a lot of stuff at the Capitol and weigh in in some way shape or form on policy and compromise and so it just so happens that you know you guys are on the rules and law committee um, so it's increased your exposure to what we're doing public policy wise Um, prior to that you know Nichols has some benefit in that um, you know, simply looking at your area code, I'm calling 248. Well, he's 517 and is about three minutes away from the Capitol. So Mike has sometimes been able to pinch hit when we can't get another attorney to come up here uh, because of his proximity to the Capitol. And that's what helped get him on the rules and law committee. And then it just so happens that one of the issues du jour um, are the things that are in your uh, and uh, Nichols wheelhouse.
0: Right, right. <clears throat> and, and the rules and law committee, just so that the membership is clear, this is this is where the the bulk of our work as an organization where we discuss what's going on in Lansing with you we coordinate with you for example and uh, we talk about you know where is CDAM going to place its its eggs in which basket are we going to support certain legislation that's being proposed are we going to oppose it are there certain modifications that we would suggest etc and and of course it, it also has to be tempered by the fact that in Lansing, we have to deal with the practical reality that it is a political process and we won't always get what we want. Um, but right. that actually, we had a meeting last week uh, over at Mike Nichols' office uh, with the Rules and Law Committee, and you were able to participate while you were up at uh, the Mackinac, Mackinac Island. Uh, uh, yep,
1: that policy conference, Detroit correct, Chamber the Policy, policy Con- Conference right. for the
0: Chamber, yes. And and so let's let's kind of go over and recap for our membership what sort of is on the agenda right now and what we addressed last week at Rules and Law Committee. Sure,
1: um, one of the first one that comes to mind, um, and and you we sort of beat around the bush about it a minute ago, is the drugged and drunk driving bills, uh, House bills fifty three eighty three and fifty three eighty five from uh, Representative Lowers uh, from the uh, uh, St Clair area. Um, he had a situation in his district where a woman um, had been pulled over uh, around six times or so for drugged driving, uh, but because various police agencies aren't necessarily talking to one another uh, and the length of time it sometimes takes uh, for legal information of that type to make it through the law enforcement system, um, she had been able to rack up that many charges without necessarily having lost uh, her license yet or whatever. Well, she happened to be drugged again, crossed the center line in a road, hit a family, and, and, uh, and uh, unfortunately killed a family. And so, of course, things like that that happen in lawmakers' districts spur them to really think about using their position uh, in the legislature to... Take that bad behavior and try to change it. Okay, let's you know what. Here's a horrible situation, but I'm the state rep for this area, and so here's what I can do, you know, so that no family, quote unquote, has to suffer something like this again. And so you get legislation like 5383 and 5385. Now, the initial intent of those legis- uh, of those bills, um, like you talked about a few minutes ago was actually to start to introduce, uh, roadside saliva testing, um, along with, uh, the PBT and the field sobriety tests. Um, it was abundantly clear that the science behind, uh, saliva testing is not quite there yet. Um, not even close to there yet. And so the bill morphed part way through the legislative process. And I should say that in, 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 many cases. Um, A a bill in its introduced form is almost never uh, what it ends up being, Uh, you know, the the best laid plans of mice and men, right? Um, So the bill started out as adding saliva testing. It sort of morphed into, well, let's pick three to five counties and do um, a a test, like a real field test, a, a pilot project, if you will, about Saliva testing um, and drug to driving recognition, on top of drunk driving recognition, um, you know, so we can kind of get a, a some a grip on what the data in Michigan looks like. Even though in other states where pilot similar pilot programs have been uh, have moved along, the, the data is sort of inconclusive about the effectiveness of the drug to driving uh, and saliva test. Well. Um, it turned out that legally the way that they wanted to put together the pilot program wasn't going to be able to work in terms of drafting some legislation about it. So really what the bill ended up being is in the shape that it is now where, uh, it's really you just get two points, uh, on your license for refusing to do a PBT, uh, or a field sobriety test. And of course this is completely unacceptable, uh, to CDAM and we, we, uh, we we issued some statements in committee. Uh, Mike Nichols came to Lansing uh, to testify and, and uh, submit some opinions uh, from CDM's perspective about uh, about this legislation. And uh, there's some real talk right now about even stripping those requirements uh, out of the bills. Though the bills did leave the House of Representatives just yesterday um, in their current form that I just mentioned a minute ago. Um, we're in a we're in a spot now where the Senate is curious about where all of the players are at and and how they wish to deal. With the legislation, so we'll of course stay engaged with uh, with the Senate on our on our thoughts on the Fourth and Fifth Amendment violations to the uh, the two point bit. Yep.
0: And, and the amazing thing, I mean, <clears throat> I can understand how they they might consider putting points on for a PBT refusal. Maybe. Sure. sure. Uh, there there are some search issues and some constitutional ramifications to that, but when they're attempting to assess points for refusing to do. Roadside field sobriety tests, like a walk and turn or stand on one leg. I mean, this implement or implicates Fifth Amendment rights, and it's never been done anywhere in the United States.
1: That's right. Michigan needs to understand
0: that it's it's radically departing from from what's been established in the past.
1: Well, and especially uh, as you guys so clearly put it, both uh, in committee and to me, so that I could take this to the lawmakers, um, is that field sobriety tests are dubious in and of themselves. They're they're um, they're far from objective. Uh, They're quite subjective and and, uh, quite honestly up to the bias of the particular police officer in question about what they feel like doing, what they feel like is an appropriate test without any real scientific data to back whether or not something is appropriate. The other thing, too, that was pointed out is there might be some very good reasons that somebody might uh, refuse to do a field sobriety test, like if you just had foot or knee surgery um, or you have some disability that would prevent you from standing on two legs and walking in a straight line or whatever the case may be, a spinal issue. That keeps you from bending over backwards. I mean, there might be some very legitimate reasons uh, why somebody might refuse that, and to have to suffer two points for that, or at least to go through the court proceeding to try to get those two points waived, uh, that's ridiculousness.
0: Right, right, no. Right. And, and, and I've read the final version that passed. Now, it did pass the House yesterday. Yesterday, that's right. Okay. And I read that final version, and it appears to me, whether they intended to or not, but it looks like lawmakers have made it illegal under their the way that they've structured the language for a commercial truck driver to operate a commercial vehicle with any <laughs> controlled substance in his or her breath, blood, or urine, anything. Blood right. medication yep. or blood pressure medication, uh, heart m- heart med- medication, you name it. They're not allowed to take anything and then operate a motor right. vehicle.
1: That's, that, that is certainly uh, a prevalent interpretation of what just came out of the house.
0: Okay. All right. Well, now let's 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 move on here and transition over to uh, the. This is probably a bigger issue. I mean, it's not it's not uh, it's not my area of expertise, but uh, House Bill fifty seventy eight. If mm-hmm. you could talk about that.
1: Yeah. So this is a good thing. So not everything that comes out of Lansing is bad, right? Um, and so sometimes some very good public policy gets introduced uh not not even necessarily on our behalf which is i guess out of serendipity uh and here's one house bill 5078 and it would reestablish Michigan sentencing commission many moons ago Michigan had a sentencing commission um, and actually that commission number one put together the current sentencing guidelines system that Michigan currently uses um, but then was also supposed to be kind of an oversight body about how our sentences going What do defense attorneys think about the sentencing processes that we put in place? How satisfied are victims? How satisfied... Uh, our defendants, with how this works, how satisfied are lawyers on both sides uh, of of, uh, of the law, you know, defense as well as uh, as uh, prosecution, you know, how's it working out for them? How do judges feel? So it's supposed to be an oversight. You know, what effect are sentences having on costs uh, of doing sentencing? You know, are we getting what we thought we were going to get out of sentences? But then uh, it was disbanded. The sentencing commission was disbanded, and it was seen by the legislature at the time that they disbanded them that that should be the job. Uh, of the House and Senate Judiciary Committees is to examine those very questions. Well, of course, no examination of those issues can go on uh, in, in the legislative committee, especially when the function of a body like a sentencing commission is supposed to be a rational look, a rational and scientific look at this, and politics is quite often uh, based so much in emotion that that makes it hard to do rational decision making about the efficacy uh, of a particular piece of legislation or sentencing policy. So it was finally decided that perhaps we should reinstitute Michigan Sentencing Commission. This is something that the chair of appropriations in the House of Representatives has long wanted to do. This is good. This is an important uh, data point because the um, The appropriations committees in the House and the Senate, that's where your tax money is spent. Appropriations is how your tax dollars are spent. So that puts the chairs of the Senate and House appropriations committees in incredibly powerful positions in the legislature because those are the guys who control the purse strings. Um, and so when you have the chair of the House Appropriations Committee being really interested in reestablishing a sentencing commission, uh, that, my friends, becomes a very powerful ally. And so House Bill 5078 was born. Uh, and again, what the bill would do is reestablish Michigan's uh, sentencing commission. And, and it's, it's a nice piece of legislation. Defense attorneys have seats on there. Um, prison, uh, prisoner advocates, especially groups like the Citizens Alliance on Prisons and Public Spending Caps, uh, could have a presence on the sentencing commission um you know of course police prosecutors um, would have uh, would have a spot on the uh, on the commission the funding units would have this so the counties would actually have a seat on the sentencing commission because those are folks ultimately paying for a lot of what comes out of Lansing and sentencing policy so it's a really nicely comprehensive sentencing commission um, and built uh, based on some successful models that we see from uh, around the country of what good sentencing commissions look like um, it's on the house floor awaiting a final vote. In um, some other good news, the Council on State Governments, uh, which is an outside entity, was hired into Michigan, uh, contracted into Michigan to do a big study of Michigan and Michigan sentencing policies and in-prison policies, things along those lines, and one of their recommendations is to reestablish the Sentencing Commission. Um, we also know that the governor uh, actually thinks that this is a very good idea, too. So a lot of real powerful people uh, are going to be gunning for House Bill 5078. It's something that CDAM has long been working on. Um, and uh, we're going to see some positive movement on this bill probably starting in September.
0: Well, and, and, and CDAM is it, we're making this a high priority because this, this has a potential of directly impacting people that are actually spending time long term prison sentences. And, and Department of Correction costs are just out of control.
1: $2 billion in the state of Michigan, $2 billion, which is 25% of all of Michigan's available general fund money.
0: And and we wonder why our roads can't get fixed when we're spending <laughs> that right. much. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so that is a, a high priority. John Shea has indicated that uh, um, uh, we're going to have a, a special, co- uh, not a committee, but uh, certain people are going to follow up on this to That's make right. sure that the membership is informed and, and we are looking for people to help. Um, That's right. Okay. Uh, preliminary exam reform. Quote I use the word reform loosely because we know that it's not a preliminary exam, exam reform. It's it's really some pretty dramatic changes that they're implementing, but not not as bad as what it could have been. Can no,
1: and CDAM, I mean, this was really tough um, because this changing the way preliminary exams were going to be done um, was something that used to be high on our current attorney general's list. CDM, uh and the ACLU and a couple other folks were able to beat those efforts back uh for about 4 years um, because the the changes that were initially conceived by the AG and some others um, were were quite simply outrageous. Um So the governor finally sat down and said, look, uh, you know, we, I want to do some PE reform now, and it's going to be a part of my, says the governor, um, you know, criminal justice, uh, concepts. It'll sort of be at the very beginning of some things that he wants to do, um, through this year, and if he gets reelected again, certainly next term, he wants to spend a lot of time focusing on, uh, prison and prison policy. But this one was something that he wanted to do a little bit quicker. Uh, But CDAM was at the table from uh, the very beginning, Um, and we we spent a lot of time uh, negotiating with prosecutors, with police, and looking at the political reality of what we wanted versus our opposition and who's in charge of the capital right now, um, and, and we got we, we made lemonade out of lemons to the best extent that we possibly could. It wasn't perfect, uh, and I know that it's been the topic of some debate um, within CDAM, but it's the new way going forward. And the final thing that we are able to do is actually push back um, the effective date of the bill for January 1st of 2015 to give um, defense attorneys more than enough time um, to start to come to grips with and understand what the new world of preliminary exams looks like. So though the bills have been signed into law last week by the governor, uh, two weeks ago now by the governor, their public acts 123 and 124 of 2014, um, they don't actually become law until January 1st of next year.
0: Now, Noah, some of the, <clears throat> one of the things that bothers me about some of the way that the process has been working lately, this preliminary examination bill, it was... It was pretty much put together before it was even uh, submitted as a bill. It it was created before that. And I know that I've spoken to uh, Judge Hammer of the 21st District Court in Garden City and Judge Brian Oakley of the 34th District Court out of Romulus. Judge Oakley is the current president of the District Court Judges Association. And uh, Judge Hammer is the incoming president. And they have told me that well, this thing was I don't, it, it's not committee. What, how how are these things being done in these like ad hoc groups or whatnot?
1: Yeah, there you can put together work groups. Um, you know, there might be one lawmaker who's interested in putting something together, or a governor who's interested in putting something together, and he will call together certain groups to have a, a discussion about what what type of wish list, what types of things that they want a, a bill to look at and so let's start with a very small work group i'm going to pick you and i'm going to pick you in terms of you know maybe two organizations we're going to hammer out some stuff about what we want the bills to look like and then we're going to open it up a little bit more and invite some other people and then we're going to open it up a little bit more and invite some other people and then we're going to introduce a bill so you can do work on legislation and it's i mean it's perfectly allowable and it happens all the time and sometimes we even get to do it um, whereby you're working on something, a, a concept to try to get it crafted to an ideal point from your particular political point of view, um, and then you sort of get it introduced as a bill and, and <laughs> uh, introduce it to the rest of the world, who then, of course, immediately has uh, lots of input. And, you know, CDAM wasn't alone um, in, our, in our numerous and vast concerns that we were also joined by the, uh, I think, the, the criminal law section of the state bar and maybe even the prisons and corrections section of the state bar, as well as the state bar itself.
0: Well, it was in the work group, though, I'm told that the only organization that was helping or to, trying to defend us was this District Court Judges Association, which actually right. kind of surprised me because, of course, this this bill actually makes their job a little easier but might increase the caseload uh, in right. circuit court, you know? That's right. Uh, in in yep. any event, though, I, I, I have reached out to these two judges. Uh, they know that we're busy working on some of these issues, and uh, they've indicated that, that they're more than willing to uh, to discuss the matters with, with CDAM. So it looks right. like there and, and, might I be – yeah. In the political
1: condo- machinations of, of, of what goes on, I mean, sometimes we find out about a work group because of a connection in there. An allied organization might say, hey, you should really be in on this. and We will. And we've done it for some of our friends as well. Hey, I'm having a discussion that uh, you might want to know about, it, and here's who to call. I mean, that's kind of the benefit of having some eyes and ears um, in, in a capital is that you, get, you become privy to things sometimes before they happen, and you can get involved in different points other than in getting involved when it's too late.
0: Okay. Now, there's a, a couple of others that I'd like to touch upon really quick. Sure. One is uh, the Holmes Youthful Trainee Act. There's some reforms that are being uh, proposed there.
1: Yeah, um, and these look like pretty good things. House Bills 5582 and 5585, I think uh, introduced from Kurt Heise, uh, who's the criminal justice chair uh, in, the, in the House of Representatives, chairs the Criminal Justice Committee. He's a lawyer from um, oh, Northville. Uh, northville plymouth area um and it would be uh well they're, they're making a couple of decent i guess as we discussed them
0: uh, last week uh, modifications to kind of how uh, uh HIDA works and one would eliminate placing a person who's placed under Haida into prison and we kind of talked about that and we're not sure
1: yeah we're hoping that you know we want you guys to take a look at it because our knee jerk, my knee jerk was reading the title of the bill that it was a bad thing. But when, um, when we talked about it a little bit um, when we were, uh, when we were at the rules and law committee, it looked like actually it might be something that <laughs> counterintuitively um, would be a little bit beneficial. It's either a clarification or something that could actually be a little bit of benefit um, in terms of working well for, uh, um, for, for folks looking at HIDA.
0: Right. It might remove some of our flexibility with some judges to obtain HIDA so that the criminal record's not there, but uh, in a quid pro quo that a, uh, a young person does a little bit of prison time.
1: Right. So those are just introduced. I don't have any indications they're going to be coming up very, very soon, but that's a good example of a bill you know, introduced about a week ago that the Rules and Law Committee is now on top of and taking a look at and will give me some direction about what that has to look like. I'm not an attorney. Um, I'm a lobbyist. You don't want to hire an attorney. You guys are attorneys. Uh, So uh, what you did was hire a lobbyist, not an attorney. Um, And so what I do for you is how we move things through the political process and political and and legislative strategy um, and and dispositions and making sure we're in the right place at the right time and and how effective uh, our voice can be and, uh, and getting things done around the capital that we need. I then rely on CDAM for your expertise. What does this bill mean? What does that bill mean? How do we need to fix this? Why do we need to stop this? And so it's, it's like taking your expertise as attorneys and plugging the right attorney in at the right time at the Capitol.
0: Exactly. And, and no one, even on the Rules and Law Committee, is an expert in every field of criminal defense, which is why we, we need to rely more upon our members for the input that we need on this type of stuff. That's right. There's a couple of other items that are hot, hot topics right now. Gangs. And I guess there's a bill up regarding expungement that might actually uh, expand the number of expungements and might even include some areas that haven't been previously expungible. Yeah, that's right.
1: Um, Dangs really quickly. uh, There's going to be a couple bills introduced. They haven't introduced yet, and that's probably going to be a fall issue, especially because some folks will need a General election issue to run on, right? Um, we understand that the Oakland County uh, Sheriff is looking is has been uh, putting together some concepts on some gang legislation, expanding the definition of gang and gang-related activity, um, which is a little bit worrisome. It's something that um, CDM and actually FAM, if folks remember, FAM is against mandatory minimums, uh, had looked at several years ago, um, and were able to kind of fight back a little bit and, and not let them get taken off too much. Uh, but of course we are going to have to be pretty diligent about this because um, when you start expanding definitions of what makes a gang or gang-related activity, um, you start allowing cops to bust up what is otherwise perfectly innocent behavior or groups of people. Um, so we're going to have to be very careful uh, as the gang bills are introduced. We'll hopefully be able to see some drafts before it's introduced.
0: We, we do not want to be arresting people for reading books in public in groups of larger than three.
1: <laughs> that's right. Or or uh, a couple of friends hanging out uh, around a storefront or on a corner having a chat about what they want to do later that day. They don't need to be harassed. They're just friends saying, let's get together at 6 o'clock and play basketball, for heaven's sake.
0: That, that whole um, constitutional right to assemble, yes.
1: Yeah, you know that thing? <laughs> um, yeah, then the other one that you mentioned is, of course, uh, expungements. And that's a, a nice issue that's coming up. It'll actually be up at 9 o'clock tomorrow morning. Um, in the House Judiciary Committee uh Representative Tom Leonard uh who is a former uh, assistant prosecutor from Genesee County has introduced House Bill f- uh, 5545 um, and uh very broadly, one felony and not more than two misdemeanors, you can set aside the felony. Or two misdemeanors and no other felonies or misdemeanors, you can set aside one or both of the misdemeanors. There's all sorts of stuff in there about, um, um, you know, there's some exceptions. Of course, uh, given the current makeup of the legislature, certain CSC offenses are going to be uh, excluded from uh, this expungement. Some violent offenses will be excluded from uh, from this expungement. But by and large, it's a, it's a good and positive expansion um, from what expungement has been in the past, which is not much, if any, um, so it's uh, it's actually a good piece of legislation, and uh, they brought us in. Uh, the Rules and Laws Committee has already provided some input about ways that you know maybe there's some some things that we could look at expanding, like some of the traffic offenses. How might we we get rid of traffic offenses either altogether, um, or how might we say that they don't you know they can stay on your record but they don't count against say the the two misdemeanor maximum that you can have.
0: That kind exactly. Of thing. Yes. Yes. And, and and primarily, what we're talking about there is drunk driving. I mean, that's right. A person might get a drunk driving, and it can ruin their life for the certain person. And and having the ability to expunge it would be, it would be wonderful if they if they looked at that.
1: Even chats with prosecutors, the Prosecuting Attorneys Association of Michigan, Pam, um, even wants this because their whole thing is: look, we see repeat offenders, but it's because people can't get jobs. And so if if we're going to do our job as prosecutors and we want to be a part of helping with some of this record expungement, because, my God, once they've they've done their debt to society, let's help people get back on their feet. And though prosecutors can't give people jobs like the legislature can um, or small businesses can, um, what prosecutors can do is be a part of a process like this and say, let's give you a part of your life back. Okay, you did your time. Let's clear this and allow you to maybe fill out an employment application and not get it circular filed right away. Right. So, this is a very good thing. There's a couple other proactive issues, too. There's a Gardner fix. Gardner's that case that deals with how, uh, um, uh, habituals are scored, um, you know, under one course of conduct. Um, House Republicans, believe it or not, uh, want to really make a positive change to, uh, along the lines of that Gardner fix, saying that, that some offenses under the same course of conduct, under the same sort of course of action, um, shouldn't necessarily be racked up as habituals. This has been a big deal for CDAM for a long time. Uh past President Peggy Rabin has been involved in this issue for years and years, and it looks like they're finally going to get one. And it's interesting that it's coming from the House Republicans, and that's sort of where they're coming from, too, is we need to help people get jobs. And this type of stuff is just getting in people's way and is a ridiculous way to rack up some scores. Um, so um, that's uh, we'll, we'll be looking at that coming out this fall. Uh, we've helped draft that one. So that'll be nice. And then we're also at the table right now on some decriminalization. We're taking a serious look along with the prosecutors at the G and H grids, figuring out what's a felony on there and what doesn't need to be a felony on there and can maybe instead be a misdemeanor or a nothing. Um, so uh, we'll look for some bills this fall on some decriminalization of some of the things, uh, some of the offenses under the G and H grids. So that's another proactive piece of legislation we're
0: working on. Yep. And, and again, that goes to saving money at the Department of Corrections and erring on the side of giving people an opportunity to participate in alternative uh, treatment as opposed to prison.
1: Right. Well, it was sort of uncanny. I mean, you know, some of these folks, uh, and again, this is another, believe it or not, another House Republican priority where they looked at this and said, oh, my God, we have a lot of laws. Cheese oh, peach, we make a lot of stuff illegal. Uh, does some of this stuff really need to be illegal? And so we sat down and started picking through uh, those two grids in particular, because that's where some of the lowest-level offenses come from, things that are bad. But, geez, do they really rise to the level of two years?
0: Well, Noah, I know you've got to get going to another meeting, uh, and I know that you're really busy. I do want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah. Um, I-, I hope we can do this again. This is fun. So, uh,
1: yeah, absolutely, and it's valuable to keep members. I know that that CDM, you know, as we get better and more sophisticated as an organization at the Capitol, it's good to keep the members in the know about, you know, what are some of the proactive and reactive things that are working on at the Capitol, and what are some of the the political realities uh, that CDM has to uh, has to function within. So I think it's a, I think it's a good member service to do this, and I appreciate being a part of it.
0: Thank you, thank you, Noah. That wraps up this episode of the Criminal Defense Attorneys of Michigan podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this free audio presentation. If you like the show, give us some feedback and subscribe to this show on iTunes. Copyright 2014, Criminal Defense Attorneys of Michigan. All rights reserved. You may download and freely redistribute a copy of this podcast without charging a fee, but you may not modify, delete, or extract any portion of this podcast without express written consent. The music contained in this podcast is licensed under Medio, with all rights retained by the original author. Check out Donia Oxford's website at www.doniaoxford.com. That's D-O-N-A-O-X-F-O-R-D.com.